0: Beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And we have good in abundance today because you have consciously and conscientiously tuned into the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E. And I repeat that. B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E dot com, because there's a lot of information you're going to want to write down, but I don't want you to. What I'd like you to do is just lean in and listen and let the information flow over you, because it's all going to be available at your fingertips at www.barryshore.com. We have a very powerful show today. We always have pleasant shows. We always have informative shows. They're positive. They're purposeful. This one is powerful and pleasant because we're going to be learning things that are very rarely spoken about from one of the greatest thought leaders in the world today. Now, you've tuned into The Joy of Living with Barry Shore because you know that on this show, it's all about you. Y-O-U, E-W-E, you. And when you become the best you possible, you make the world a better place. You can build bridges of harmony joy, happiness, peace, and love. And you are joined at this very moment by 303,716 people around the world who are listening to the magic, the mysterious platform called Internet Radio, hosted by K4HD.com. So you can send up your questions and put them up on the board and send them through to K4HD.com. And I mentioned specifically 303,716 people because every show we have about 240,000, 250,000 people and another forty, fifty thousand 50,000 people joining every week. Why? Because their friends tell them you must listen to The Joy of Living with Barry Shore because on this show, the result of listening is you become healthier, wealthier. And wiser. And this particular show will make you wiser. Now, in this show, we work on the three fundamentals of life. The three fundamentals are number one, life. Your life has purpose. And when you live a purpose driven life, you can go mad. Now, in this case, MAD is a wonderful acronym that stands for Make a Difference. When you lead a purpose driven life, you can make a difference in the world. And the third fundamental is you can unlock the power. And the secrets of everyday words and terms, everyday words and terms, something simple as www. Ask anybody what www stands for, invariably they'll tell you, and it's something to do with the Internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, www stands for... What a wonderful world. And what is the word? W-H-A-T-A. What a wonderful world. And that song, of course, we have the tip of the hat to Satchmo, Louis Armstrong for enabling that song to go viral and touching people, not by the tens of millions or hundreds of millions, but by the billions around the world. And whenever you even hear the opening bars of that song, what a wonderful world. What do you do right away? You smile. You can't help it. And SMILE is one of the most positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant acronyms you could ever learn, internalize and utilize and leverage in your life. Because SMILE stands for seeing miracles in life every day. Seeing miracles in life every day. Now we're in the midst of a pandemic. This is the summer of 2020. People will be referencing this show decades from now, maybe even a century from now. And I'll say back a hundred years ago, there was a pandemic around the world. And Because of that, a million-plus people didn't get out of bed this morning. Why? They died. You didn't. If you're watching this show right now, you didn't die. That is one reason alone to be filled with joy, and that's seeing a miracle. Another, by the way, million-plus people can't get out of bed right now. Why? Why? They're infirmed. They're struck either with COVID or some other situation. But you, I hope 99.99% of everybody watching, you're able to function in the world. So I ask people, people raise their hands all the time, whether I'm speaking to 50 people or 5,000 people. Oh, they're putting up on the board right now. We have 12, 16 uh, comments. People say, But Barry Shore, I've been up for hours already. I haven't seen any miracles. And I ask them, Are you here? Can you hear? Can you see? Can you stand? Can you walk? Do you have water, drink, food, tea, place to sleep? Family, friends, those are all miracles. Again, the proof is you got out of bed this morning. You didn't pass away. You're able to get out of bed. Now, for those of you who know, again, 250,000 plus people know the story, and for the new visitors, 50 plus thousand, I'm just going to mention to you that on September 17, 2004, which is going to come up to the 16th year pretty soon, your humble host was standing up in the morning, just like you, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. That evening, I was in the hospital, paralyzed from neck down. I became what's known as a quadriplegic. Nothing on my body moved. And it was not from an automobile accident or a uh, spinal injury. It was a rare disease that took over my body. A matter of hours rendered me completely and totally paralyzed. I was in the hospital 144 days. I was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years. I couldn't turn over by myself. I was in a wheelchair for four years. You see my hands still don't close and function that well. I had braces on both my legs, from my hips to my ankles progress, and I still can't walk up a stair by myself or a curb, and I have a, thank God, I am vertical ambulatory, albeit with the help of a six-and-a-half-foot walking wand made for me by a Zen master, and I have help 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice, positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. Why? Because I've learned to be able to see miracles in life every day. Now I have to share with you, my eight year old niece came over to me a couple of weeks ago and she asked me, Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. I said, smile, smile. Why not? Sounds the same. I asked her, how come? Because she says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. Out of the mouth of babes. Isn't that wonderful? But the ability to see miracles in life is really the key. That makes all the difference because when you have that, you can create the kind of world we all want to live in. And CREATE is a wonderful acronym it stands for. Causing, rethinking, enabling all to excel, causing rethinking. Now, we all have a brain, thank God, and you have a, about 100 billion brain cells and a 1,000 trillion synapses connecting all of those brain cells. And they're there for more than deciding what kind of latte you want this morning the ability to create the kind of world we all live in. It's called neurolinguistic programming. We decide what it is we want to think about. We decide how we think, how we speak, and how we act. And when you think in good, you speak in good, you act in good, you create the kind of world we all want to live in. Now, I do want to interrupt myself before we bring our guest on and tell you that your humble host does use a lot of four-letter words. But the four-letter words that we use are Love, life, give, grow, hope, holy, free. (laughs) Train yourself to use those kind of positive four-letter words. Now, before we introduce our guest, who is going to shake up your world, and I'm glad of that, I just want to urge you, on this show, we urge people to use the two most powerful words in the English language. And if you use these words consciously and conscientiously three times a day, you will Make a difference in the world. You'll change the world for the better. And these two words are drum roll, fanfare, da-da-da-da. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because thank, thank stands for to harmonize and network kindness. To harmonize and network kindness. The Dalai Lama has been quoted as saying, and I've read in his writing, be kind whenever possible, and it's always possible. Now, God willing, we'll all be able to go back to a coffee shop sometime soon. You walk into the coffee shop and you order your fancy latte for $5.5 and you sit down, somebody brings it to you. You say, Thank you. You order your fancy latte for $5.5 and nobody brings it to you. You go to the counter and they say, Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot. And they bring it to you. A few more minutes go by. You still say, Thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop and it's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you. You say, Thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop and it's raining out. Somebody slams the door on you and you say, thank you. You're in traffic and you're late for an appointment. Somebody cuts you off. You say, thank you. You get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you. To harmonize and network kindness. Kind stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. And at this point, I am truly humbled and honored to introduce to you one of the most inspirational noble people that i've ever had the pleasure of reading learning about and inviting onto the show to share her insights and what's going on in today's world and that is the indomitable dr carol swain dr swain are you there oh we can't Uh, hear you there you are great Please say a big hello to 303,716 people around the world. Hello, and
1: I'm so excited to be on your show. And I have a secret.
0: Yes. I've always wanted to be Jewish. (laughs) Well, I can tell you something, Dr. Swain. In my humble opinion, (laughs) you are. You know why? Why? Because the essence of the Jew can be summed up in one word giving. Really? You are a giver. I'll, I'll share with you an idea in front of hundreds of thousands of people. In Hebrew, which you know something about because you're a student of life. So in Hebrew, the word for giving is a palindrome. You read it front and back, and it's spelled, it's spelled the same way because the essence of giving is always in essence giving not to receive but it happens that's what goes on in life that's the flow of life so you are a giver you are honorably a Jew because a Jew is a giver but you know something what a way to start the show because i'm just i can't read all of the the remarkable accomplishments about Dr. Swain, because if I do, it will take up the rest of the hour. But I will share with you three bullet points, and not not from a gun, but these three points, and then I'm going to tell you a couple stories about her later in the show. But suffice it to say, right now, Dr. Swain, in my humble opinion, is one of the most articulate, thoughtful, capable people on the American scene at this very moment who knows how to understand what's going on in the turmoil of the United States right now. We are in August, about to be September 1st of 2020. The election, the most probably the third most momentous election in the history of the United States is going to occur in a matter of 60 plus days. And Dr. Swain's going to help us because she is not just a doctor. She's a, 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 a physician of the heart and the soul. Why? Because she's an author. She's a podcaster. She's a deep thinker. She has written several of the most interesting books you'll ever understand. One of the books called Black Faces, Black Interests, which has won three national awards. She won a Pulitzer Prize. She was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for a book called The New White Nationalism in America. And if that is not enough to make your head spin, she has a podcast called Be the People, not We the People, be the people. And everybody, everybody around the world is vying for her time. And she has generously offered these few minutes to give to us, to give her insights. So let's just jump right in and say two things. Number one, to Dr. Swain, thank you for being here. I believe at the moment you are in Tennessee. Is that correct?
1: I'm in Tennessee and you're almost moving me to tears. And I'd hate to um shed tears in front of all these people, but that's part of being human. They would be tears of joy uh for your kindness.
0: Well <laughs> you are I said you are Jewish. She understands tears of joy. That's the essence of the Jew. <laughs> joy. So let's just jump right in. I'm going to discuss, let's discuss race relations. Because we are in the midst of a pandemic in the world, but the pandemic may not be just physical. I think it's a pandemic of the mind. It's a pandemic that is unfortunately based in hatred, prejudice, and inability to communicate one to another. Would you articulate what you think about the situation right now?
1: Well, Barry, before I do that, people have to know where I came from. And my story shapes who I am today, just like your story and the stories of the people that are listening. I was one of 12 children born and raised in rural poverty in southwestern Virginia. I dropped out of school after completing the eighth grade. I married at 16, had my first child at 17. By the time I was 20, I had three small children. Uh, two people came into my life that spoke words that sent me in a different direction. One was a medical doctor after a suicide gesture, and another was an African orderly at a nursing home where I was working. And I got my life together. I went to, I earned a high school equivalency, went to a community college and got the first of five degrees, graduated uh, with my bachelor's degree, magna cum laude. I ended up with um, uh, five degrees, early tenure at Princeton, and I was a poor professor at Vanderbilt. I have worked.
0: Sorry. It's okay. Everybody wants Dr. Swain. I have worked
1: uh, minimum wage jobs alongside uh, white people just like me. All of us were poor And I understand the American experience and I have empathy for that poor white male in Appalachia. And my reading of the Constitution is that the Equal Protection Clause applies to everyone and the 1964 Civil Rights Act, it protects minorities, but it also protects members of the majority group. And as a consequence, when I see what's taking place in America, it pains me to see the injustices I've never agreed with people who argue that racism only cuts one way, that people of color can't be racist because you have to have power. And so to understand my positions, you have to understand where I came from. And I believe there's one race, the human race. We're in this together. We stand or fall together.
0: Let me, uh, if I may be so bold, I was going to put those pieces of information in later, but I think you're, you're uh, absolutely correct. Uh, by the way, look at that smile. Is that not a radiating smile? I mean, that, that, that smile that you see on her face comes from deep inside. She is a beautiful, bountiful, immortal being. So I wanna recap something that you said. Listen carefully, Aria, because we have people all over the world. We have people from India, from China, throughout Africa, Australia, Europe, obviously the United States and such. uh, I was going to say USSR, but the former Soviet Union. The point of what Dr. Swain is mentioning here, one of 12 children. Let's put that in perspective. That's not an easy gig no matter what. I don't care if you're Jeff Bezos' child. One of 12 is not simple. To be, I think you were number two, but to be raised one of 12 in poverty And when she saw because I read about this and I'm, I'm deeply moved in her part of the state where she grew up, it did snow. So in the wintertime and it was cold, she didn't have the necessary clothing, boots and such to be able to go to school. So she didn't. Now, the ability to have gone to school anyway to finish the eighth grade. And say, okay, now I have to work at minimum wage jobs and not even pleasant jobs in situations with not even the best people oftentimes in the sense that everybody's pushing and jostling and such. And being married at a very young age, a teenager, getting married, giving birth, those are all the products of non-success. By definition, this woman is a failure, And yet you hear and you see before you not only great success, but success to the nth degree, five degrees. And we're not talking about degrees from little community colleges, nothing that's wrong with the community college. But the ability to be at Princeton, to be a professor at Vanderbilt (laughs) and to author books, to be able to impart her knowledge, which comes from actual physical reality as well as studious insights. This is a unique combination that, in my humble opinion, Dr. Swain, is very much akin to the American experience. And so I applaud you when you say correctly, the fact that you are have a pigment that's dark means nothing. It's the background is everything. A human being who has been through really difficult situations, another birth canal, in essence, much like one of my other heroes, Ben Carson, by the way. Right. I, I hold Ben Carson in, in high esteem, not just because a black man who went through stuff, and that, because he understood. And like you said, somebody encouraged him and he persevered and became the best he possibly could. So it's, you're right, it's important to understand your background because you're not just giving us words and information, you are giving over heartfelt, real situations. When Dr. Swain's to us, Swain talks to us about race relations, it's not because she studied data and she has tables that she produced. What she's telling us is that there is one race, the human race for people to be able to get along it can happen but guess what it will be difficult at best when you have a ideology that is geared towards division and destruction and what i mean by that is a marxist ideology let's just jump right in let's but this is a hard hitting show marxist ideology does not work in the American system. It's a toxic situation. Am I correct when I say that?
1: It doesn't work in the world at large. Everywhere you have tried Marxism, socialism, communism, it has always been a failure. And the reaction has been from the political left that it's never been done correctly. This time we'll get it right. Right. (laughs) In the meantime, millions of people die. And I tell my story because some of what I have to say in this politically correct environment, it seems harsh. And so I think that when people understand the lived experience, because right now the Marxists say that there's no absolute truth and it's all about experiences, then I can throw out my experiences. And my story is not a race story. It is a a human story. It's an American story. It's for everyone.
0: Let's focus on something interesting, because I'm going to give some details. Uh, It was back in, well, I'll, I'll preface with two other things that Dr. Swain did not mention, and I will. Dr. Swain is a deeply religious person, a deeply religious woman. She went through several aspects of her religiosity, from Jehovah's Witnesses to, um, uh, I can't remember what it was in the... uh, New Age, uh,
1: Eastern, I mean, I was on a journey, and that journey took me 40 years uh, before I came to my faith as a believer in
0: Jesus Christ, and it was quite a journey. A a deeply religious Southern Baptist, which, by the way, as as something as an example... If I'm not mistaken, let's go back 50 years. There were very few black Southern Baptists 50 years ago.
1: Probably very few. I don't know. Very uh, few, maybe six. (laughs) But I've only been a Southern Baptist uh, for about three years. My journey has taken me many places. And sometimes I ask myself, now, why is it I'm a Southern Baptist? Why did God lead me in that direction? And now I know they need a lot of help.
0: Last year, last right. year at right. their the me- convention. Right. The me- reason I mentioned Southern <laughs> Baptists, there, were, there weren't black people because, for want of a better term, Southern Baptists were afflicted with a disease, the disease called racism. Right. They saw themselves as white Southern Baptists. They didn't understand that Christianity was an inclusive um, love of humanity, barring a color. You could be yellow, white, pink, blue. It doesn't matter. It's where you hold in in relationship to the creator. And it took them a while to understand. Now, thank God many of them did. The ones who didn't, goodbye. We don't need them. But I mention this because in addition to being a Southern Baptist now, Dr. Swain used to be a Democrat.
1: <laughs> yes, but let me tell you about the Southern Baptists. Yes. They have uh, swung so far in the other direction that they are totally in danger of losing everything they stood for, and it has to do with uh, the the critical race theory. Their organization, the Southern Baptist Convention, has been infiltrated. Last year at their convention, they adopted a resolution to use critical race theory and intersectionality as, in a, as analytical tools to understand race in America. And uh, that is a strong deviation because as a Christian, we believe that the answers are in the Bible and that the church should lead on race relations, not follow the secular world. The other thing is the Southern Baptists have apologized numerous times for their racial sins. And if they truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would have known that he heard them the first time. And that when individual Baptists commit sins, all they have to do is confess their sins and repent. And that God doesn't hold them accountable for the sins of their ancestors. They are missing that message.
0: Uh, Dr. Swain, they need your help.
1: (laughs) So That's why (laughs) I'm there.
0: (laughs) After you clean them up, would you next move to the Catholic Church? Because they need your help, too. They have moved so far to the left that they don't even recognize that they are left. And the people in the church are saying, please stop this, because that critical race thinking, you're right, that is toxic stuff. Now, this goes to one of Dr. Swain's very important insights, and this is critical. Uh, Dr. Swain understands that the term social justice is exactly the opposite. It is. And she knows that one of the greatest tools of uh, Marxists, committed Marxists, trained Marxists, is that they have a great penchant for using language in its powerful way to persuade those who are ignorant who don't read, who do not study, but are emotionally attached. So again, you say social justice. Who doesn't want social justice? Well, of course I do. Who doesn't want to live in peace and harmony? But peace and harmony on only one term, our terms. In other words, Saul Olinsky. and if you don't know the name, I'm um, sorry to even bring it up, and the fact that he was born Jewish, but we won't talk about that because unfortunately <laughs> those things happen. But the Beginning of his book, Rules for Radicals, is dedicated to, and I don't even like saying this, but I need to do it because it's there, dedicated. I mean, that's how crazy the person was, but he understood what he was doing. He knows if you put it out there, then you don't have to hide it. You see, if you hide something, people discover, say, aha, we got you. That's But right. if you put it out there, well, wait a minute, I told everybody, he dedicated his book, Rules for Radicals, to Lucifer.
1: And the National Education Association has it as a required reading for fourth graders. And it is something that has literally, you know, helped change America because it really pushed deception, infiltration and manipulation. And so America's institutions, including its churches, have been infiltrated by people on the political left who are bent about uh, destroying the culture. And when they talk about diversity uh, being a good thing, diversity, the the diversity and inclusion they push is the opposite. And what I believe is needed in America and around the world is unity training. Going back to the fact that we're all human beings uh, in, uh, in, in life together, trying to do life together and diversity that tears us apart, that pushes some groups down while it elevates others is very destructive. And right now, the Marxists are using the language of whiteness and white privilege and anti-racism to manipulate. And the white people that I know, the worst thing you can call them is a racist, a nativist, a xenophobe. The left knows that white people hate to be called racist, so they use that to their advantage to control people. And I would say that uh, Americans need to take back their voice if they know that they're not a racist, they're not a xenophobe, they're not a nativist. They should not allow people's names and epithets to control them.
0: (sighs) (laughs) When we talk about a breath of fresh air and someone's choking... It's not just it's a breath of fresh air. It is giving life. Dr. Swain gives life, especially because, if I'm not mistaken, unfortunately, there's a book. Uh, it's hard to call it a book, but it, OK, it's been printed. I think it's called White Privilege, and it's, it's one of the best-selling books, in, and everybody has it. You have white privilege, therefore white guilt, and get over it. Understand, just because you have a certain pigment, you are a racist, now, of course, people don't – I'll tell you a, a nice inside baseball story. Uh, my wife is Asian. I think they call it Oriental today, but she's of age, so we call her Asian <laughs> Oriental. <laughs> Doesn't, you can't keep up with all the things. But the point is that in her country, she grew up in Thailand. She's Thai. So in Thailand, people who are all what others call yellow – they're not yellow, but, you know, certain pigmentation they can just see – who is more Thai or Chinese. So there's a pecking order wherever you grow up in the world. Right. Africa, lighter skin, darker skin. That's in in America, too. Yes, it's it's part and parcel of the human condition. So what we really want to eradicate is the inability for human beings to recognize and say, oh, wait a minute, I see – a human being. Wow, her name is Carol. Yay, I love Carol. She is human. She smiles. We can have fun together. We talk. We get food. The ability to get beyond a race, that is only because people were taught hatred. Yes. They were taught. Now, Dr. Swain has authored. By the way, what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm making a unilateral uh, decision here as the host of the show. We're not going to break. We have sponsors. Forget it. I'll pay you. Don't worry about it. We're not going to break. This is too important. OK, thank you, Dr. Swain. Just stay with me because time is so precious with you. Uh, in 2016, Dr. Swain authored two books. And they're essentially the same, but you'll tell me what the difference is. But the, the idea of the books are, it's called Stealing Our Kids' Hearts and Minds, because unfortunately, the left is so skilled and understanding that it's really the youngest people. And I'm talking young people. She mentioned four. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm incredulous that in the fourth grade, people are reading uh, Rules for Radicals. That, that's so bizarre. Hillary Clinton didn't read it until she got to college. So you see the difficulty of it. But they know, they know that if you can create sort of a a nursery rhyme or something easy and fun that talks about justice and social justice and all the things that are what we think are positive, but they twist the language. So she wrote these two books, Stealing Our Kids Unless We Become vigilant, we will lose the battle because the children, even today, it's already happening, children of the age of 20 to 25 are already so indoctrinated that it's sometimes difficult to have a conversation. Am I correct, Dr. Swain?
1: Well, I want to clarify about that book, Abduction, How Liberalism Steals Our Children's Hearts and Minds. We had a publisher, Charisma Press, and forty-five days before the uh, book, the one book was to be published, they canceled the contract, and and so the book was published um, with another publisher. But they had already cataloged it with the Library of Congress. So there's really one book co-authored: "Abduction: How Liberalism Steals Our Children's Hearts and Minds." And my story has been a story of opposition. Uh, even people that are conservative are often uncomfortable with the ideas. And that book that you mentioned is really to educate parents and grandparents and teachers and people who are not aware of the agenda that the political left has to steal their children. And we see young white children being shamed uh, to the point that they uh, see their grandparents, they see their parents as the enemies, as homophobes, uh, every kind of folk you can think of. All of that is being indoctrinated through our
0: educational systems. And the teacher's union. Yes, yes. The teacher's union goes along with it primarily because, and I I say this, by the way, with great respect to teachers, because I'm of age. I'm 72 chronologically. So I grew up by definition, and I'm Jewish with a great respect for a teacher. However, interestingly enough, because I love words, the, the letters that spell teacher can also be rearranged to spell cheater. Really, yes. Look at it T E A C H E R, teacher, move, rearrange C H E A T E R, cheater. Because if you're not a true teacher and you teach the wrong things, you are a cheater. You're cheating students and you're not giving them good information you're giving them toxicity
1: well barry we know that Saul alinsky's principles uh, that during the 1968 democratic convention when the radicals were fighting the police and they were dirty with long hair he pretty much encouraged them to go into the system and change it from within And now at our colleges and universities and corporations, there's various people uh, at the helm now that were part of those radicals of the 1960s. Now they're the deans, they're running the colleges, they're indoctrinating the young people. And when the political correctness craze started with the microaggressions, the trigger warnings, a lot of us say it. Wait till they get into the real world. They'll see that no one is going to protect their feelings. But, you know, the joke was on us. They went into the real world and got jobs at Google and uh, Facebook and Twitter and all those places and the corporations. And what they have done is to take that political correctness and safe spaces and trigger warnings and their vision of what free speech should be like. And they've imposed it on the rest of us. And I think it's a shame and a disgrace that so many of us have gone along with what the left is doing, and we can take Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, in true Marxist fashion, is a true statement that Black Lives Matter, just like white lives and all lives matter, but the organization, it um, is able to manipulate people because a lot of whites feel that unless they endorse Black Lives Matter, the organization, they are not supporting black people. And what they're doing is really undermining black people because the organization right. is not advancing anyone's interests, um, except its own.
0: Three important anecdotes. One is that the Black Lives Matter, and again, we're talking about being open, Openly state, the leaders say, we are trained Marxists. And they are. They're saying, well, you know, (laughs) we just care. No, we are trained Marxists. Now, I have no idea where they were trained, by the way, maybe by YouTube, because I remember growing up, the only place you could become a trained Marxist was at the Patrice. Uh, Lumumba University in Moscow.
1: (laughs) Well, George Soros may have sent them there. And in 2016, I believe I was the first person, and I took a lot of heat for this uh, from numerous people, when I said that they were Marxists and they were a destructive force on our society. And this was in an interview that I gave right after the five Dallas police officers were slain Mm -hmm. following a Black Lives Matter rally.
0: Right, so I'm, I am restating what Dr. Swain said. She came out and told the country in 2016 the people who are heading Black Lives Matter are Marxists, trained Marxists, and they are intent upon doing what Marxists do. They have three parts to their program. And one of them is destroy the nuclear family, not even nuclear, destroy the family. And the way you do that is by removing God. So one of the other ways of doing that is by promoting something called transgender. Now, interesting enough, we love people. So if someone who is a biological male declares himself to be a female and you're acting in a reasonable manner, I love you. I I respect you wherever you want. Don't go into the women's bathroom. Don't go and think you can compete in women's sports. That already goes over the line. But no, you see, with transgender, you can now destroy the family because you can say two things. Number one, if someone feels that they're a woman, man is a woman. They can do whatever they want. And number two is what gets really bad. Well, you're so old fashioned. You mean there's only two genders? What's the matter with you? But the good Lord taught us the good. See, there is no creator anymore. Now there's 87 different genders. So with transgender, which seems to be loving, that's, again, the ability of the Marxists. So to go to Dr. Swain's point in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is unfortunately still burning. In the first or second day of the, uh, the riots, and they are riots, and they are instigated by outside people, and they are inflamed by outside people, by trained Marxists. And
1: the, I pay um, it very well.
0: Yes. Old, well, the, the, um, the big uh, auto uh, dealership that was set on fire originally had a very large banner, I think it was 50 feet along, saying, we support Black Lives Matter. Thinking by definition, of course, well, you know, we're immune. You know, we took, we drank the Kool-Aid, right? And they can't bother us because, see, we, no. The important point of of trained Marxists is they understand, tear down everything. Because when you do that, you are now furthering the Marxist program. And it doesn't matter that something gets torn down, or that people get hurt. Because why? It's for the common good. See, we're only here for the better good. And in classic Marxism, as you mentioned, Dr. Swain, so insightfully, it's by turning a younger generation against their grandparents or parents, and exactly what happened in the Soviet Union and other every other Marxist or communist country. It is getting one family member to testify against another of not maintaining the party line. In Mao's China, tens of millions of people were killed because their relatives said, well, you know, I mean, they are reading that book. In Stalin's Russia, that happened regularly.
1: Well, Barry, the other thing that I think uh, your listeners around the world should really focus on is that the political left has always mocked conservatives as fundamentalists, we don't believe in science, but you can see how very conveniently they uh, reject the science about when life begins, they reject the science about um, biology, and we can go down the list, um, even uh, with COVID, when the science doesn't line up with the argument and people are not dropping dead, you know, like flies, then they shift the argument. They're constantly shifting, and they don't honor science. It's the ends justify the means.
0: Yeah, see, they they never have to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, because as you just pointed out, the end justifies the means. And the means in this case, by the way, is rioting, looting, telling people to their face that they are no good because they are racist, just Because at this particular moment, they are white. Now, with all due respect, let's go back 70, 80 plus years in the South. And it was reversed. I mean, there is no question that it was a stain upon our country. Now, I'm very fortunate. I grew up in a place called Boston, Massachusetts. So we were somewhat immune. I just say somewhat, not completely. Somewhat immune to this deep antipathy of one race to the other. And being Jewish, we had a very great, uh, not just a soft spot, Jews were in the forefront of helping Martin Luther King and every part of the civil rights movement. Many number of Jews lost their lives going down to the South, trying to register people to vote and things like that. But in today's world, it is the BLM and the trained Marxists who are using anti-Semitism as a lever to create even more hate, because they know it's the oldest, most toxic hatred in the world. And I can tell you that I believe that the
1: Marxists and the political left, they use black people, but they really hate black people. And I say that because if they didn't, Why would they push abortion on blacks and have uh, cities and states controlled by Democrats where more black babies are being aborted than are born alive? If they believe that COVID was killing black people and people of color more than white people, why would they encourage people to protest in the streets? Why would, if, if they know the stats, that there's greater violence in black communities, high black on black murder rate, why would they try to defund the police? To me, it's all about Negro eradication. I'm black. I can say Negro. You can say it too, but it's considered hate speech now.
0: I would only say one thing to you. (laughs) I love you. Love stands for living on vibrant energy. I want to end on a higher note. Okay. And the higher note is two things. Number one, in 60 seconds or less, Dr. Wonderful Carol Swain Tell me, what is your most fervent desire?
1: To be able to awaken uh, the world to the deception that's taken place. And I do wake up in the middle of the night. I can see through what's taken place. And, uh, you know, some of my work has been considered prophetic in that I'm able to sort of see trends. And I just don't think it's going to end well for the United States unless we awaken and return to our Judeo-Christian roots. And I believe that there are people that are spoiling for a race war. And so my greatest desire is to awaken people, get them to listen, and to realize that America is still the greatest or,
0: or, you know. The greatest country in God's green earth. That's what I believe. In front of 303,716 people, I'm going to give you a big hug. Are you ready? All right. (laughs) One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us, for sharing with us. And God willing, there will be Donald Trump in the White House come November 4th, and And America will be able to go forward.
1: I certainly hope so. And I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter. I have, um, you know, d- Google you my name.
0: You can find me. Right. Everything you want to know about Dr. Swain, just go to www.whatawonderfulworld.barryshore.com. <laughs> She's there. She is enormously good, channel her energy. And we wish everybody, WWW, what a wonderful world, Smile, seeing miracles in life every day, seeing miracles in everyday life, create the kind of world we all want to live in, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. Say thank you three times a day to harmonize and network kindness. Our blessing, may I give it with you, Dr. Swain, is go for Thank you. Exuberantly. (laughs) Spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. I
1: can live off of that for a week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Best wishes. Bye. Bye.